Welcome to Off the Cuff with Congressman Jared Huffman. As a representative for California's 2nd Congressional District, Off the Cuff is my opportunity to talk with you about important issues and to introduce you to interesting people from the 2nd District and beyond. It's unfiltered, it's direct, and it's honest. It's Off the Cuff with me, Congressman Jared Huffman. Welcome back, folks, to this uh, podcast. This is the Big Farm Bill podcast. And when we say Farm Bill, we could probably just as easily say um, Nutrition Bill or uh, Land Conservation Bill or Rural Economic Development Bill, uh, because in many respects, the Farm Bill is the biggest piece of legislation Congress works on in all of these areas and more. It's way more than just uh, what some people associate with uh, subsidies for big commodity crops in the Midwest. And we're going to talk about that with two of my colleagues who uh, have been great leaders on uh, those other aspects of the Farm Bill and specifically trying to make it a better, more progressive piece of legislation. And they've had a lot of success in recent years in doing that. So I'm joined by Congressman Jim McGovern of Massachusetts and Congresswoman Shelley Pingree of Maine. Uh, Jim serves as the uh, ranking Democrat uh, on the House Ag Subcommittee on Nutrition, uh, and has uh, that's the committee that has jurisdiction over another big aspect of the Farm Bill, which is the SNAP program, or sometimes known as food stamps. Shelley uh, serves on the House Agriculture Appropriations Subcommittee, and uh, she has been a great leader on all of these issues as well. So uh, I'm glad to have both of you. Welcome to my podcast. We're happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. Um, so let's get started. Uh, tell us about the key aspects of the farm bill that really don't have so much to do with farms. Well, I mean, one of the biggest uh, aspects of the farm bill that doesn't have to do directly with farms, although it's related, uh, is the nutrition title. And that includes SNAP, uh, which, as you pointed out, used to be known as food stamps. Um, and I always try to make the case that it does have to do with farms and the fact that uh, it's a benefit that you can only buy food with. And farmers grow our food and they produce our food, so there is that, that, uh, that link. Uh, but they, we have 42 million Americans uh, in this country who are hungry or food insecure. And we're the richest, most powerful nation in the world. Uh, and that uh, we have so many people who don't know where their next meal is going to come from. Um, I think that's shameful. And um, and we ought to be talking about ways to strengthen the nutrition title, to end food insecurity, to end hunger in this country. And instead, um, our Republican friends are moving the nutrition title in a direction where we're going to cut benefits. Uh, and when people may, in fact, lose access to food. Uh, and I find that very, very troubling. That's uh, been the battle in recent years. Uh, Republicans yeah. have tried to decouple the SNAP program, which is one of the biggest financial right pieces of the farm bill from the others. Uh, and when they do that, if they do that, there's not enough votes to pass the farm bill. Right. right? I mean, so, I mean, urban uh, legislators, they should appreciate the work of our farmers, but always do not. Uh, and so the, the nutrition title is a way to get them to buy into the farm bill. Uh, and, um, and look, I mean, part of the problem is that there's a narrative out there that doesn't reflect reality. You know, I hear my colleagues say, well, we, we just want all these people who are on SNAP to work. So we have to have more hurdles and more work requirements. Well, the reality is the majority of people on the benefit are not expected to work. I mean, they're children. They're senior citizens. They're, they're people who are disabled. 
of those who can work, the majority work. They're already working. They earn so little, they still qualify for the benefit. And by the way, uh, you know, when I hear my colleagues uh, exaggerate the benefit by saying, you know, people are buying lobster and filet mignon, I remind them that the average SNAP benefit is $1.40 per person per meal. You can't even buy a Dunkin' Donuts coffee with that. Good luck trying yeah. to trying to survive on that. Uh, C- Congresswoman Pingree is joining us from the snowy shores of Maine right now, <laughs> uh, and, and I'm glad to have her. How, Shelley? How did you come to to work on this food security issue? Uh, well, I served on the Agriculture Committee during my um, first uh, couple of years in Congress, and um, got a chance to try to work on the last farm bill, and um, and and. I'm working on it again. Um, agriculture and food issues are my biggest focus in Congress. I actually am an organic farmer back in the state of Maine. Um, so it's kind of what I do for work, what I've worked on in policy areas for a long time. And certainly the the nutrition side of it, it's the biggest part of the spending. Um, and as uh, Congressman McGovern said, it's where a lot of our disputes come in. So um, it kind of requires all hands on deck when you get into one of these farm bill cycles or on the Appropriations Committee on the funding cycles. And unfortunately, our colleagues, mostly on the other side of the aisle, are always trying to undermine this program. You know, um, they do endless uh, investigations into fraud, um, whereas they turn their head on fraud in all kinds of other places that we should be investigating. Um, and I think it's really important that everyone has access to healthy foods. Um, you should have a, you know, you should have access to healthy foods in your neighborhood. Um, it should be affordable. We know so much about the health outcomes of not eating right or not our kids not getting a good start or, or going hungry. Um, you know, and as Jim said, it's 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 just criminal. It's a shame in a country like this. We should be very much ashamed that there are kids who go hungry every day, or there are families who just can't access fresh fruits and vegetables. When we know, um, you know, the importance of it and, and good health outcomes. We should give a shout out to the the hashtag that the two of you and others uh, have adopted for the End Hunger Now campaign. It is hashtag End Hunger Now. Uh, so I appreciate all your work on that. So Congressman McGovern mentioned it's a dollar forty a a meal. That's the benefit under SNAP. Um, so that's important as a food safety net uh, consideration. But you brought up something else, and that is the importance of what type of food that is. How do we make sure that it also includes healthy, fresh food? That's a challenge at a hundred at a dollar forty a meal, isn't it? Um, it is, and, and one of the things that um, we worked on in the last farm bill was um, replicating a program that was started by a um, nonprofit group called Wholesome Wave, and that was kind of a, a double bucks program. If you if you take your SNAP benefit card to a farmer's market or a market that has fresh fruits and vegetables, you can actually access double the amount. So it was a way to try to make sure um, that people could buy more um, fresh fruits and vegetables. It um, I, I have a piece, and, and Jim and I are working together, on um, the idea of food is medicine. Um, we have a food is medicine working group. Um, and again, that's a, a program that was advanced by Wholesome Wave and the idea is that um, you could have prescriptions from your provider um, that say you should get more healthy food and vouchers to help you do that. And in the places where they've run programs around this, um, they could just see really different outcomes for especially kids who um, we have an epidemic of childhood obesity, and when kids get access to fresh, healthy food, um, they love it, and they eat a lot more of it, and um, they don't gain unhealthy weight. 
Jim, you want to add to that? Because this food as medicine was definitely something I wanted to ask you both about. Right. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I was growing up, my grandmother used to say to me, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, and it would annoy me. And I wish she was still alive so I could tell her you were right. Um, I mean, food is medicine. And even within our medical profession, I'm not sure that's fully appreciated. Uh, like Shelley, I believe in that we ought to be uh, um, pr- pursuing programs that allow for food prescriptions. You know, doctors can write out prescriptions for these very expensive, you know, pharmaceuticals, but sometimes the most effective treatment is a, is a meal, is a nutritious meal. Uh, and so we need to find ways to, you know, to help better uh, promote that. We need our medical schools to teach uh, new doctors nutrition. Uh, you, you could become a doctor and not take any courses in nutrition. That's crazy, given the importance of food and nutrition to our health and our well-being. Um, we, they just did a study in Massachusetts. Uh, the Greater Boston Food Bank led it. Um, and it estimated that in terms of, because of, uh, of food insecurity and unhealthy diets, they estimated something like $2.4 billion in avoidable health care costs. So... You know, this is not just a couple of do-gooders here on your podcast saying, you know, <laughs> let's all promote better f- food. You know, I, I always tell my very conservative friends they ought to be with us on this because in the long run, you'll save a boatload of money. If you want to control health care costs, for example, let's keep people healthy. Yeah. Um, and we don't talk enough about that. It, and there's that link, and we have this uh, Food is Medicine Working Group. It's bipartisan, and we're, we're going to try to uh, highlight, uh, you know, good uh, examples of uh, of where it's where people are actually making that link across the country, but also to talk about how we change our, you know, our 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 our, our overall policies to better accommodate that. For example, you know, Medicare or Medicaid should be able to reimburse uh, for uh, food prescriptions, um, and um, you know, those are the kinds of things that we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I'll be working with you on that. Absolutely, we're looking forward to it. Do uh, do either of you think we have a chance to get some food as medicine policy um, into the farm bill this this year's farm bill? Well, I think this year this year's farm bill uh, is uh, is uh, off to a rocky start, um, and I'm not sure you're going to get a farm bill this year. And I've always, as, as much as I want a farm bill this year, I'd rather have no farm bill than a lousy farm bill. Um, and, um, you know, uh, all the Democrats on the Agriculture Committee just sent uh, a letter to uh, our chairman saying, you know, stop negotiations on the farm bill until we actually see the text of a farm bill. Because what we've been reading is that there's an all-out attack on the nutrition title. Yeah. And, by the way, not just the nutrition title, a whole bunch of other problems with the bill as well. Uh, but, uh, look... You know, I didn't. I didn't fight to get on the agriculture committee to screw poor people, um, and that's kind of where the farm bill is going right now. So, uh, we have Democrats, liberals like me, and conservatives as well, all have signed this letter saying this is not the way we should do things. This whole process should be transparent. You shouldn't be making these dramatic shifts in our SNAP policy without doing hearings and without listening to all sides. Uh, so, um, you know, I'm not sure we're going to get a farm bill this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, if we don't, then my hope is that maybe things will change a little bit around yeah. here and we might be in a position to write a better farm bill, one that we all can be proud of. That would be fun to work on. Shelley, what do you think? 
Um, well, well, Jim's an insider on this, and I really appreciate the hard work he does on the Ag Committee and the fact that he's been um, unrelenting um, in this current process, just making sure that everybody understands that um, it's being negotiated behind closed doors, that both parties need to negotiate a farm bill. Frankly, they generally need bipartisan votes to pass a farm bill. So um, I think we should you know, not not allow a vote, not give a vote um, until we've had a chance to really work on it. And it's everything from the hunger tile to a lot of other things. The positive side I'll say about it, which isn't about the timing of this farm bill, but the fact that um, we have a bipartisan um, food is medicine working group that often um, people from both sides of the aisle will take a critical look at how do we make sure that people who are in need, that kids, that everyone who has to access the SNAP or WIC program, how do we make sure that they get healthy food? I do think um, there's a general understanding about that. I think people, um, again, you know, regardless of party allegiance and um, regardless of economic status, people are much more aware today of the importance of health. They're, they're practitioners tell them that. Um, you know, we read about it everywhere. Um, you can see it in the changes in food marketing today and what, you know, what big food processing companies are selling. So I think we have a better shot at um, getting people to think more about healthy food. And I do think people understand that it's it's expensive. It's a lot easier to fill up your kids or you on, um, you know, starchy processed food calories than it is on apples and bananas and, you know, broccoli and carrots. Um, but this is America. Um, uh, the other topic that's somewhat related um, that we hope there's some we get some traction on is food waste. And um, mm -hmm. you know when Jim talks about how many people go hungry every day, well, somewhere around forty percent of the food is wasted in this country. Yeah. So well, and at no cost, we get some basic reforms at no cost could make a huge difference there, right? Absolutely. And again. Um, you know, we've gotten a fair amount of traction with Republicans. Um, the industry from the outside, which occasionally we're butting heads with them on other policies, they've been very supportive on looking for ways to, to reduce food waste and, and, most importantly, make sure that if, if food's going to be thrown away, that first it has an option to get in the hands of somebody who's healthy. And a lot of what gets thrown away is perishable food, whether it's in the farmer's field or um, in a retail store, um, we need to do much better at that, and we can, and, and we need to change some policies around it. Yeah, and we need to get a better handle on these so-called best buy dates that are on food. Um, you know, you, you, if you, I'm not recommending that everybody do this, but if you want to have an interesting experience, I've done this before, uh, go to, uh, to the back of a supermarket and look into the dumpster, and you will see that there are, you know, there's lots of fresh fruits and vegetables so there are a lot there's lots of other kinds of food that's very very nutritious that is being tossed away um, and um, and, I, and and that is uh, unconscionable given the fact that we have so many people uh, who are battling with food insecurity and hunger you know there's not a congressional district in the United States of America that's hunger free mm -hmm. there's not a city or town in America that's hunger free and so uh, you know what we need to do and Shelley's been a great leader on this is help kind of create an infrastructure to recapture this perfectly fine food and get it to people who need it. And um, have you seen the terrific documentary of the young couple that tried? I did. Yeah, they, they, yeah. And they try to live for six months or something I've only seen, on thrown out food. And they from gained a lot of weight. They gained right, weight right, because, the, because there was so much food that they had access. They threw a big party at the end of the movie for all the, all their friends. You know, um, I, I did a. Um, you know, there's some really interesting pilots going on across the country. There's one in, in Boston called Love and Spoonfuls. 
and they uh, have a refrigerated truck, and they go to like the fresh fields and the various supermarkets, and they recapture the perishable mm-hmm. uh, foods, the fresh fruits and vegetables, and they get that to, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, homeless shelters and to um, food banks, food banks, uh, yeah. and to uh, you know, senior c- centers and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, so that people can have perfectly good fresh fruits and vegetables yeah. to prepare their meals. A little aside, uh, I've communicated a few times with some parliamentarians in France, and uh, they just recently um, made it illegal to waste food. And um, it's fascinating. They've already done a few studies. I think they're two years into it um, about how much food is recovered. And, and you know, the difference when a, when a grocery store knows it's going to be fined for throwing away food, which there's some appropriateness in finding them because if you think about it, this all ends up in you know in the landfill, um, which causes uh, methane emissions. Methane, yeah. which is a much worse form of pollution, mm-hmm. but also for any of us who've worked in local or municipal government, it's expensive to maintain a landfill. And why mm-hmm. do you want to be in charge of all the waste that gets thrown away, which really that grocery store should be dealing with, not you? So. Um, Amen. You know, getting that kind of forward thinking is fascinating, and it will be fascinating to watch the you know the systems they develop in France and how um, all these grocery stores manage it. I, I will say that um, we have one in my district that's got their own zero food waste goals, and a lot of retailers are thinking ahead about this. So um, you know, they're not always the bad guys, but it's interesting when you make it policy, it changes pretty fast. Shelley, that's so you're talking about the the aspect of this issue involving supermarkets and others who discard food that's still good, but there's also food that never makes it into the supply chain from the fields, uh, stuff that's never harvested because it might cosmetically not quite look right. And there's this whole movement to do what we call gleaning, to sort of Mm -hmm. go in and do a second pick. You're a farmer, um, so this must be uh, something uh, that really resonates with you. What what can we do to also promote that side of uh, making sure we're using all the good, uh, nutritious, usable food out there? Well, um, I have a, I have a bill uh, called the Food Recovery Act, and one of it, you know, it, it tries to take a comprehensive look at every aspect, and we're continually looking for ways, um, whether it's, you know, retailing, um, restaurants, um, farmers, and you're right, um, farmers who open up their fields to gleaning, that, that is just, you know, picking up what doesn't get harvested, um, can be an important part of it. Um, there have been a couple of pieces of legislation to change liability laws, because sometimes, you know, there's some concern about, you know, if I donate this food, um, and it's it's not perfect or it's not inspected in exactly the way some other things are. Am I liable? Um, there's some tax credits for farmers who donate this food and make the extra effort to do it. But there's also just kind of, you know, heightening the awareness. I, I want to get into the USDA um, grading rules because mm-hmm. forever we've been grading for cosmetic appearance. You know, there's nothing in there that considers flavor. And if you're a farmer like me and I sell, you know, retail and through a restaurant, um, people want to eat delicious heirloom tomatoes oh, yeah. today. They've developed taste for it. They don't want to go back to those perfectly shaped, hard as rock, you know, red things. And you see that in, in every grocery store today. So I love those gnarly, on, misshapen heirloom tomatoes. Those are the most fun too. anyway. Yeah, and there are businesses, <laughs> as you said, that are making, um, you know, making a, a, a marketing you know, task of ugly fruit, ugly vegetables. Um, but there's a lot more we can do 
from gleaning in the fields to, to also making sure um, on the other end, you know, there are some things in a grocery store that are either unhealthy or no good anymore. And we have grocery yeah. stores that have voluntarily committed to comp- making sure everything goes to a composting operation or to an anaerobic digester, which is, can come, um, you know, produce energy right. from that food waste. So, you know, there's a lot we can do everywhere to make sure it just doesn't end up, you know, not getting to the right people. But but this is this is Shelley pointed out, is a big deal, um, and it's an enormous challenge because, as she pointed like 40% of what we grow and what we produce, we waste. And, um, you know, and, you know, there are some farms that are huge and they have the man and woman power to be able to do gleaning and to be able to recapture the food that doesn't look perfect and get it to uh, food banks or to get it to senior centers or schools or whatever. We have a lot of small and medium-sized farms that don't have that infrastructure. We need to figure out a way to provide that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- this issue of uh, food waste is more than just kind of a, a nice thought, right? We need to we need to figure out how to how to basically make it um, recapture this food and, and and put together an infrastructure. The other thing we also need to do, and this is a little bit off t- the farm bill, but it's, it's something that always troubles me, is we need some truth in labeling. Uh, people, you know, go shopping. We all look at the various things we pick up, and they'll say things like, you know, 50% less sodium, you know, than what? You know, the Dead right. Sea? I mean, who the <laughs> hell knows, right? I mean, you know, or, or, you know, or you know, this, you know, less this or less that or whatever. And you think you're, you're buying something healthy or you buy things that say natural, and people think you're buying right. organic. What the or heck you buy, does right, that mean? Or you, it's going to be good, it's natural. There's some of the stuff that has this, you know, nice feeling, nice sounding la- yeah. labeling is some of the worst food in the world for you. Um, and, um, and we need to make our labeling system easy to understand. Um, and people have a right to know uh, whether what they're buying is actually good for them or not good for them. Uh, you know, Shelly and I w- work together because we believe that uh, people ought to, you know, we, ought to know whether they're buying things that contain GMOs or not. I mean, yeah. you, you ought to have that choice. Well, you're making me think of my, the, I've been battling the issue of GMO salmon for many years. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, People probably want to know if if they're Absolutely. consuming a salmon uh, at the supermarket right. or some engineered uh, hybrid fish right. that uh, really is nothing. And like here's a salmon. My, my deal: for some people, it makes no difference, and that's you know great. But for some people, they want to know, and they, and that will make a that will make a difference. Uh, I've told people in the industry who have battled uh, against labeling, you know, that um, there must be something there that they're battling so hard. Uh, but nonetheless, I believe in pe- people's right to know, and you know, I look at I, I was I ate GMOs all yeah. my life. It's probably the w- reason why I am the way I am. Who knows? But <laughs> the bottom line is, you know, um, but people ought to ha- have the access to right. the facts and be able to make their own decisions, and we ought not to be frustrating efforts for transparency. Now, since we've uh, wandered off into this GMO subject. Uh, this is one where sometimes liberals, like the three of us, uh, get criticized by scientists who say we're being anti-science. And I'd, I'd be interested in hearing your perspective on this, but my response is always, look, letting people have this information so that they can make a decision uh, might have uh, a very scientifically justified basis, and that is the pesticide angle. Right. So anti-GMO, the the GMO crops typically involve way more herbicide pesticide applications. In many cases, they're engineered to maximize the applications of pesticides. So you could have a very scientifically uh, justified reason for not wanting to support that. Look, I'm not a scientist, and I I don't want to play one while I'm here in Congress. But here's my argument. Um, You know, you can debate that if you want. 
but let's say that what, what we shouldn't be debating is whether or not people have a right to know, you know, how their food is grown and what's in their food. That's it. And, you know, um, if you believe that the science that says every, this is perfectly fine for you, you'll continue to buy stuff, um, you know, regardless of whether it contains GMOs or not. Uh, but if you're concerned, um, then you ought to know uh, what you're buying. So I'm not here to scare people into not buying things that contain GMOs, but I'm here to say people ought to have a right to know and make their own decisions. I just want to reinforce that, too, and both of you had good arguments. Um, there's, as you said, there's a lot of crops that are now engineered to use more pesticides and herbicides, and that's a that's certainly a factor in, in your own health. Um, but as Jim was saying about this and also other health issues, um, I've been working on you know, food-related issues and organic farming since the 1970s. And when I was in the state legislature, we had battles around bovine growth hormone, and the whole issue was around whether or not dairies could label something to say bovine growth hormone free. Um, I've been, you know, since I've been in Congress, there have been issues about origin labeling. Where, do, What country does this food come from? We're constantly battling around the organic label yeah. and the sanctity of the organic label and whether you can call something natural. And and I think Jim's right. This whole question back to the food industry is to say, what are you afraid of? There's always this kind of notion like, well, if you let the consumers know, they'll stop buying it. You know, people have the right to know what's in their food. And, and increasingly, people want to know more about additives and colors and, and growing techniques. Um, and the very idea that we're trying to block that uh, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. I think when we were doing the GMO argument on the floor, um, there was a, a fact around how, you know, you you can know more about your orange juice and the amount of pulp and where it was grown than you're allowed to know about a GMO label. And, and I, mm -hmm. I don't think we have to argue the science. Um, you know, there's some arguments in favor and arguments against right. GMO. You know, goes right. everywhere from salmon to, you know, um, certain kinds of seeds. I mean, it's a broad, broad topic, and it's not always one or the other. But the fact that you can't know, yeah. um, I think. And, and the other thing I'll say, having been in this battle for a long time, um, what's interesting is that, you know, the industry is now voluntarily doing it. A lot of companies have just decided they don't want to be on the wrong side of this fight, and they're going to do their own labeling, and, and it's, it's, you know, expanding rapidly. You've got, you know, big chains like Whole Foods. We don't know how they're yeah. going to change now that Amazon Consumers owns. are demanding it. Yeah. yeah, but they're demanding it, and so now, you know, the companies have to change. I mean, the best thing happening with food and, and agriculture policy today is that consumers are just so much smarter, yeah. and they're pushing Congress and state legislatures to make better policy. I, I said to a, a I won't mention the name of the company, but they, they make candy. Uh, and I said, you know, I, wh why is it that if I buy your chocolate bar in the U.K., I, I can find out whether or not there are GMOs in it because the people there have a right to that access. But if I buy that same chocolate bar here, it says mm -hmm. nothing. I mean, you know, why do the British get to have this knowledge, but we don't. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, it's an ongoing battle, and you know, you know as well. I mean, it, this is, uh, you know, there's still some people fighting it and trying to make it difficult. But uh, I think, it, and I think, in the long run, uh, more transparency will will prevail. I just I believe that because people are going to demand it. So on the subject of the bad stuff out there in our food and food policy, um, the Trump administration has recently proposed. Um, a major change to the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP. They want to uh, give people a harvest box mm -hmm. of canned and packaged food with no fruits and vegetables. Uh, this has uh, been met with a lot of uh, 
debate and controversy. Uh, how would this harvest box system work, and why is it either a, a terrible idea or a good idea? Well, it's a terrible, 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 terrible idea. <laughs> um, that it, was poor, terrible. Right, yeah, I, 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 you know, a terrible infinity uh, idea. But look, this is what. For, let's put the concept to one side for now. But just logistically, how would this work? I mean, people right now who are on SNAP, they go to supermarkets and they buy their food. They have EBD, EBT cards, and they, you know, sometimes they, they, if they don't have access to supermarkets, they go to whatever small store is in their in their area. Um, so you're going to ask supermarkets and even small little grocers to what stockpile these boxes? These, I mean, what you know? What if they don't have the room? What what you know? And who's going to deliver all these boxes everywhere? And you know who's going to oversee all this? It is. I think a, there's a company in Whitefish, Montana, that makes right, these boxes. Right. Uh, well, first of all, it's a bad idea. <laughs> so that's number one. Two, you know, no mention of fresh fruits or vegetables. I mean, I guess you know maybe they believe that there's this you know new movement to bring back spam or whatever. I don't know, but you know, I mean, we our food policy should be aimed at trying to help people uh, make more nutritious uh, choices uh, in the in the food that they buy. But then the third thing, and I just, I really, I, I'm just really sick and tired of uh, poor people being treated like second-class citizens. I mean, I just, th- this is just a cruel thing to propose. Mm-hmm. It makes me believe that the people... So they don't get regular groceries. Right, they yeah. get these little right. poor person's because, boxes. Because, because you're, 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 you know, you're struggling in poverty, so therefore we're going to treat you, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a way that... Um, you know that is that is so diminishing uh, of your value. I just the people who propose this aren't nice people. That's the bottom line. And uh, this is a stupid idea. Um, and by the way, I, what the administration's argument is, they're going to save money. You know, it'll it, they'll save costs on SNAP. Um, and look, what we ought to be if you really want to save money, we ought to be talking about expanding the SNAP benefit so it's beyond a dollar forty per person per meal. Um, so that people can have, you know, more freedom to choose a more nutritious, more healthy food. We ought to be talking about building on the things that Shelley talked earlier about, these uh, healthy incentive programs within the SNAP program to get double value when you buy fresh fruits and vegetables for your SNAP dollar. Those are the things we ought to be doing. If you invested more in that, you would save a whole boatload of money in a whole bunch of other areas. So Mm -hmm. this ought to be just rejected. And I think it will be in large part because um, I'm not sure the Republicans are really willing to kind of embrace this fully. I think they'll be they're trying to put a pilot program together. But I just want to say, we, we don't want to let this distract us from the other terrible things they're doing to the SNAP program. And, um, and because- It does th- feel like a distraction. Yeah, they may yeah. want us to look over here why they're doing some bad things right here, so. Yeah, Shelley? I, I, uh, I just say ditto to everything <laughs> right. that Jim just said. And I think, you know, it's bad for all those reasons, and they've been kind of laughed off as ludicrous, and I'm just going to hope this um, administration knows better than to try to move forward with it. But the important message comes at the very end there. Um, these guys are intent on either reducing the funding to SNAP benefits, making it more restrictive. Um, it, it's just a broken record, and I serve on the Ag Appropriations Committee, and we just had um, 
the inspector general in um, a couple of days ago, and um, you know, 80% plus of what my colleagues talked about was um, fraud in the SNAP benefit program. And um, you know, it's been yeah. searched and researched, and it's a very low level. Most of the fraud actually happens from the retailer side, not the people trying to cheat the system. Um, you know, most people who are struggling, they, they don't want to have to go into a grocery store and have everyone around them know that they're, um, you know, getting a benefit. I mean, people just, this isn't a position people want to be in. Yeah. And uh, I get so frustrated with my colleagues. We've got big things to investigate. We've got big, complicated questions um, that we should be asking the USDA. Mm. And uh, these guys are always, not everybody, but often just sidetracked on this. And it's... Um, it's insulting. And Amen. If you want, and if you want to look at fraud, let's let's begin with the Pentagon budget. Sure. You know, we uh, got a lot of uh, <laughs> wealthy special interests ripping off the Absolutely. government in big numbers. Uh, as opposed to picking on the poor folks. Uh, well, and I'd say um, one of the things that came out yesterday, the inspector general is doing a report on dupl- duplicative payments. I mean, we all know about crop insurance and other kind of payments that go, um, you know, to some of the wealthiest operations in the country and some of them are duplicated so i'm anxious to see that report and see what the level of fraud is there or misuse of a system so Um, i have a problem uh i am out of time but i've got a million other questions i wanted to ask you two about this farm bill subject is big who knew that you you could just have a great conversation i was going to talk about disaster snap because my my district is just uh, recovering from these catastrophic fires and that program has been essential and uh, the need to to help with transitioning uh, more folks into organic farming, the land conservation, environmental aspects. There's so much here that uh, we didn't get to cover. But um, I'm really grateful to the two of you for your leadership on this issue, for for really uh, embracing that leadership role. And uh, whether it's in this year's farm bill or maybe a farm bill under a, a potential new majority next year, um, I'm going to be looking to to you and working with you on lots of good stuff. Any final words from from uh, both of you as we uh, close it out? Well, I just say to uh, everybody who's listening, um, if you care about these issues, uh, stay engaged. I mean, we I mean, I think we need we need people to weigh in uh, you know, on the farm bill and a whole bunch of other legislation. Um, and um, you know, if 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 you don't like the thought of having a farm bill that guts our nutritional programs, then you know, when the if if that's what if that's what they put forward, then you need to raise your voice and say, "Don't vote for it." Yeah, and I would concur and say um, you're right. There's an enormous other aspect of the farm bill um, that you know we didn't have time to talk about, and I think oh, there's a lot of people out there who want to see changes in our agriculture system. That they want more locally grown food, they want more access to organically grown food. And what I would say is, everybody has a member of Congress, and even some of our best colleagues don't realize um, the importance of this issue to their constituents. So whoever represents you, take the time, write them a letter. Go sit with them and tell them how important this issue is to you because um, everybody we serve with needs to hear it. All right. Thank you both. Thank you. Thanks. What a great conversation that was, a chance to wonk out on food policy with two uh, of my favorite colleagues. Now I'm going to um, close out this podcast with a, a fun segment we sometimes do with our interns Uh, Those of you at home probably don't realize that there are constantly uh, these amazing, bright, young people that serve internships, sometimes for a few weeks, sometimes for several months in my uh, Washington office. They're constantly passing through. um, They're underappreciated. 
but one thing that I can do for them is give them a little time on my podcast. 15 minutes of fame, except it won't take 15 minutes. And so I have two uh, bright young interns with me. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and then give them each a chance to ask me a question about anything they want. Take it away, guys. Hey, Congress, Hong Congressman. Uh, my name is Devin Miller-Gowan um, from Mill Valley, California. Um, my question is, uh, what is the main issue you'd like to tackle in 2018? In 2018, so what's left of this year? Yeah, this year. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to try to fight back against uh, the constant attempts to push bad water policy and environmental policy. I'm on committees where I might have a chance to uh, affect some of that. And then I guess the big question is, will we be able to do something good and positive on things like infrastructure? I'm on the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. There's still a possibility we could do an infrastructure bill that could be a really good thing. We just talked about another big bill that could be a good thing, the farm bill, but it could also be something we have to move into defense mode and do some tackling mm -hmm. on. So uh, those are two things. Uh, I'll keep moving smaller bills, uh, you know, things on, on district priorities. Uh, but those are a couple of big items that I might be able to work on this year. My name is Michael Swalberg from San Anselmo, California. And my question for you is um, sort of two parts. First part, what is an issue that is facing our country or the world that you believe we are not giving enough attention to? And the follow-up to that is, how can we get more people to pay attention to that issue, particularly young people? Great question. Well, young people are tuning in and paying attention to some of the issues that I would give in response to that. Um, right now, uh, gun violence is, is a huge one, but uh, thankfully it is getting a lot of attention. Um, and, and I would say climate change is starting to get uh, something close to the attention it deserves. We've got to do much, much more on that because it's just enormously important. Uh, but the one that I think still doesn't get talked about enough that will... Uh, really define the kind of world that you guys and, and your generation live in uh, is wealth inequality and income inequality. We don't talk enough about that. And, and we, even before this terrible Republican tax bill, had the worst um, concentration of wealth uh, and, and inequality of income and opportunity that we've seen since the Gilded Age. And we all know that that eventually led us to the Great Depression. So it's not sustainable to have an economy that simply lavishes more and more on this elite few while everyone else uh, continues to struggle. Uh, it doesn't work economically because, uh, you know, to, to have a robust economy that actually is durable, uh, you, you need that buying power and consumer confidence spread across uh, the economic spectrum and not just concentrated uh, in a few. And it doesn't work democratically and politically because at some point people are going to just get fed up and rise up and uh, they can sometimes rise up in unproductive ways and, and we can do damage to our democracy uh, if we allow that to fester. So I think that's kind of a big deal, uh, whether you look at it uh, from the political stability perspective, from the economic durability, from the morality perspective, uh, social justice, all of it, and we need to talk about it a lot more. All right. Well, that uh, wraps it up for this podcast. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Off the Cuff is produced by Marin's own Tales Untold Media. Our music is also local, provided by Temp Love. Don't miss out on future episodes of Off the Cuff. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Just search for Off the Cuff with Jared Huffman.